doing just about seven o'clock p.m. on the East Coast and we have a nice show for you tonight a little bit of stuff to do in the beginning but then we are bringing on uh, a man who has not been on this show in a long time I don't know when the hell it was last might have been 2020 John D'Souza retired FBI paranormal investigator uh, we're going to talk with him about some interesting work that he's doing on the, or has done, with the upcoming release, the latest Missing 411 installment, The UFO Connection. So, uh, of course, it has a lot to do with national forests, national parks, strange things in the woods, and we're going to be doing more of that in the second half when John is off the show. And we start taking some of your calls and reading from the strange things we've seen in the woods thread that was built up on the forum. But before that, we have some crazy stories from the Pelosi household and some other things. So we better get to it, shall we? All right. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, just make sure you go over to quitefrankly.tv and check out the link to uh, Secret Nature and bluemonsterprep.com. I think we did Blue Monster, oh, it was Blue Monster last night. Secret Nature tonight. Right? I think so. Uh, yeah. Anyway, both of them. I forgot who I did last night. I forgot, I got, I forgot which one of them I, I plugged last night. So um, go and check out both of our wonderful sponsors. I try to keep this even keel throughout the week. So, Blue Monster Prep and Secret Nature CBD. You take your Secret Nature CBD to relax while you are buying all your prepping needs. You're checking off all your prepping boxes because it's stressful as it is. But you're going to feel great when you have all the prepping stuff done. And you're going to feel great because you were, you were token up on some good, uh, you know, organic, fine cultivated CBD flower. So, that's what you do. Go to the affiliates page. Use promo code FRANKLY for everything. Uh, at the beginning of the week, I have a couple of more great things to announce there, including the arrival of, quite frankly, coffee. First generation, because we will be tinkering with the blend along the way and holiday, uh, you know, holiday tastes and roasts and all that stuff. But it is here. I saw the packaging and all that stuff, so it'll be a, a good time to start hunkering down and, and brewing some coffee straight from us well and our friends at um, 
and Nordic Coffee Company. So, all right, where do we go now, ladies and gentlemen? We are going right into our grab bag, which is where most of our most of our stuff is going to be. Uh, all of our off-topic stuff is going to be here right now. I wanted to get into the Twitter thing first. Now, I think it's Twitter first one up. Yeah, this was this was last night, the last couple of minutes of the last night's show. We were getting all of the headlines in about the Twitter deal being done. Beginning of the show, I said it's going to happen any any hour. Meaning, I thought it was going to be today because everybody said that the deal was going to be done on Friday. And it was done by three quarters of the way through the seven o'clock show. Um, and here it is. Not only did we get the headlines that the deal was done, but immediately all of the Twitter executives that we've come to hate so much have been fired. Now, who knows who they're replaced with? And I have heard a lot of really great reasons why nobody should really get too excited. You just don't know where this is all leading. But in the meantime, I want to have something to be excited about. I'm not going to stick with Twitter if it starts uh, making everybody pay and get into crypto and get into uh, universal passes. I, I don't care. Whatever the hell this may be uh, an essential piece of some other Elon Musk pro-globalism uh, plan, I will not be going into that. For the right now, for the here and now, in the present, I am just going to bury my nose in this and just take it down and just have a good time especially when people like that Vijaya freak that woman that was on Joe Rogan with her passive aggressive mousy little voice just trying to steamroll everybody with her nonsense I, I, I'm just I just love it doesn't matter doesn't matter she'll be working at uh, Pinterest next week they're all gonna find their jobs um, some of them will go work for Mark Zuckerberg and, and live inside of the Nintendo Wii. That's what they'll do. But um, here's the breaking from then breaking from Post Millennial. Elon Musk fires top Twitter execs as he takes charge. David Faber of CNBC reported Thursday night that Twitter CEO Parag Agrawal. If it's a tech CEO... Uh, probably from India, Pakistan, something like that. If it's a uh, United Kingdom PM or something, probably the same thing. Very odd. Very odd. And CFO Ned Siegel have left Twitter as Elon Musk officially takes over the company. Later, a report noted that these execs, along with Vijaya Gade, had been fired by the new owner. Get the hell out. Get the hell out. Take that place down to the studs. Bring out the de-lousing powder. I don't know. Maybe you've heard this. You should hear. Do not stop at the executives, please. This had gone around the last couple of hours, the last 12 hours or so. We listened to it on the morning show this morning. And this was put out there by uh, Libs of TikTok. Some girl who works at Twitter, hopefully not for long, Wanted to show you a day in the life of Twitter employee. And this is just my God in heaven. Uh, it's it's just no wonder why. I mean, they have to all go, especially if this is a day in the life of Twitter. Listen to this. 
Welcome to a day in my life as a Twitter employee. So this pod. Okay, hold on. I want to make sure that the volume is acceptably loud so you guys can die inside with me. Welcome to a day in my life as a Twitter employee. So this past week went to SF for the first time at a Twitter office, badged in. Honestly, I badged in. That's what we call it. That's what we call it when we badge ourselves in. You get a badge. Your name's on it. Your own barcode. You just badge right in. You're fine. You're fine. It took a moment to just soak everything in. What a blessing. Oh, 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 the voice. Can't fucking stand the voice. Put the gain up on your microphone. Get on in there and get in there and just what a blessing. Who blessed you? Vijaya. I was, thank you, Vijaya. Thank you. Thank you for blessing me, Vijaya. I'm at a Twitter office, badged in. Honestly, took a moment to just soak everything in. What a blessing. Also started my morning off with an iced matcha from the perch. Then I had a meeting. An iced matcha? What the fuck is that? They drink things that are so, they just sound bougie. What's an iced matcha? From the cart. I love it. So quickly scheduled one of these little pod rooms, which were so cool. They're literally noise canceling. Took my meeting, got ready for bunch. Look how delicious this food looks. Oh my goodness, I was- I can't, I can't see, see in it. I can't see in it. Aurora will never sound like this. First of all, I'll say speak up and speak like a human being. So overwhelmed. Then made my way down to this log cabin area. I don't know what this is, but it was really cool. Played some foosball. Got fifteen. Yeah, you're useless. You're useless. Go start a family. You're a child. Foosball with my friends to kind of unwind a bit. Yeah, who who's there? Who else works there? The pajama boy from the Obamacare ads. Pajama boy there with his with his plaid pajamas and a cup of hot cocoa, just getting cozy somewhere. Um. Also found this really cool meditation room. Yeah, this is where we watch all of our episodes of Virgin River just to get pumped for the day. It, it, it's, it's probably 1.30 in the afternoon already. That I thought was super neat. Um, I didn't do any yoga, but they have this yoga room if you are a yogi. So if you're a yogi and this is our vibrator room, we just all go to town on our coochies. Even the boys. Oh, my God. And then after a quick cat nap, we do a little shadow banning and time to punch out. Ugh, what a day. So I thought that was really cool. Um, had a couple more meetings in the afternoon, had a ton of projects that we needed to knock oh, out. Oh, God. Oh, geez. Hashtag women in tech. Is it any wonder why things are as bad as they are? Now, A.T.'s, A- A- A-T's uh, 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 daughter is going to ask him, does Frank hate women? <laughs> oh, man. So that's, just get rid of them all. Time to get your, get your resume together, go to Tumblr. Time to go to Tumblr. All right, well, um, I had asked some questions about who, why, um, 
why was this John Fetterman guy actually doing this? Why was he staying? Who is keeping him in the race? Why was he staying in the race? Why couldn't they find anybody else in Pennsylvania? And I think I know the the answer why now. Perhaps some of you already had this answer, and I'm just getting around to it. Because when I woke up this morning, I saw this three-way call that his wife, Giselle Barreto Fetterman, was on. Wife of Senate candidate John Fetterman goes on to say that swimming is racist because children of color, obviously, they can't swim or something like that. Take a listen to this, and, and now... And while we did not want the mansion, that mansion came with the pool. And the pool I wanted. And the dream was to open this pool and make it a public pool, turn it into the people's pool, and ensure that... Eh? 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 Up talk? Aurora, stop that. Eh? No, you sound like a, you sound like a seagull. Aurora, you, you know when we go to the beach, the, the birds that we feed? You sound like a seagull. You're, are you making statements or are you asking questions? Because if you, you want to see what you're going to end up like, here, look at this. I'm, let me tell you about this Frankenstein character from Pennsylvania. Here's his wife. You don't want to be this guy's wife. Listen to her. Turn it into the people's pool and ensure that um, young people across Pennsylvania could learn how to swim and learn water safety and kind of work to right some of the wrongs. You know, historically, um, swimming in America is very racist. <laughs> um, and usually when you look at drowning statistics, that usually affects children of color because of lack of access. It's a lack of access, as you all know, lack of access, there's, there's no way, there's absolutely no way that a child that has a better tan than I do could ever get access to a waterway or a pool. Uh, there's, there's no way, nothing. There's no way. So uh, swimming's very, is almost as racist as bird watching. I saw this and I said to myself, ah, I didn't know about the wife. So now it's no wonder why the Gollum is still on the campaign trail. This is a, he, he is a, he is a delivery vehicle for the wife. It's, it, I don't know, uh, there you have it. And, and, and if it's not, it's just because a, a woman like that, when she's got a taste of public life where people think that she is at all interesting enough to be part of an interview, she doesn't want that to go away. And if he takes the time that is obviously necessary to, to focus on making him more functional in everyday life, then he shouldn't be in politics. But that means nobody asks her for interviews anymore. So one way or another, it's about the wife. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. She will drag him on stage. She will put him in a red radio flyer wagon and drag him around. As long as he's breathing, as long as he's breathing, she's going, are you sure? No, you look fine. You look fine. Both, both legs dragging behind him. Now, speaking of wives and husbands and all that stuff, we have, uh, we have this thing that happened with Paul Pelosi. Now, if you're depending on how early along in the reporting of this you were watching, it was already said and done. This was the right wing motivated. It was right wing inspired. Paul Pelosi's house was Paul and Nancy Pelosi's house was broken into. Nancy wasn't around, and Paul Pelosi was beaten half to death with a hammer. He's had a really, really rough year. 
between the DUI and now this. But he's undergoing brain surgery now following some brutal attack, but all of the weird details of the attack, first of all, it's not right-wing motivated. The guy was a, uh, a communist nudist. He was a commie nudist. Got really weird old blog photo up of, of uh, uh, entries people are finding. They're trying to figure out what the hell was going on here. The crazy thing about this is that he, he broke into the house, maybe. You say, where the, I, I guess that anybody could have a security lapse, but could they? Anyway, he gets into the house, and there's some kind of a, a, a confrontation between him, the, the, the commie nudist, and Paul Pelosi, because they, the cops get to the, the, the place. The police were called for like a well-being check, and the fight over, they both had hammers, or they're fighting over a hammer. One way or another, Paul Pelosi isn't bludgeoned with this hammer until the police already get there, and they find these guys in a standoff. That's what is being reported. Wait, wait, hold on. Listen to this. Uh, San Francisco police say Paul Pelosi and the attacker were both holding hammers. The man waited until police arrived to attack, and he did it using Paul Pelosi's hammer. Listen to this. When the officers arrived on scene, they encountered an adult male and Mr. Pelosi's husband, Paul. Our officers observed Mr. Pelosi and the suspect both holding a hammer. The suspect pulled the hammer away from Mr. Pelosi and violently assaulted him with it. Our officers immediately tackled the suspect, disarmed him, took him into custody, requested emergency backup. Okay, so when they got there, they were both, I guess, struggling over the same hammer. You know, um, and, and when the cops got there, they saw this they saw this standoff who called why the well-being check why so well timed and it just so we here's more a little bit more this was posted these clips were posted by end wokeness on twitter the suspect was arrested in his underwear and authorities have found an anti-government manifesto of course i'll tell you anytime there's a manifesto involved my eyes roll in the back of my head up there is reporting, Martha, uh, that the suspect was arrested in his underwear and the authorities have found a manifesto, as they put it, on social media involving conspiracy theories, including anti-government COVID police. Again, uh, very weird. Very weird stuff. So he's in his underwear. He was, uh, he was like in this nudist wedding. Everybody's talking about weird, weird. He broke into the Pelosi house with a hammer. Police arrived after being called on a well-being check at 2 a.m. They're saying 2 a.m. Walked in to find them struggling over the hammer, watched him assault Paul Pelosi and arrested him. The guy in his underwear with a hammer managed to break into the home of the person third in line to the presidency and police happened to arrive right as he assaulted Paul Pelosi after being called on a 2 a.m. wellness check. Ladies and gentlemen, she's the Speaker of the House. I I mean, I guess anybody, if they were obsessed enough, maybe could find a way to break and, you know, break an entry and... I, this, it's just so weird. Something is sexual about this. 
something sexual has gone wrong. Until the security footage is released, until we see forcible entry and not just, you know, come on in, good to see you there, uh, I have I have no choice but to think that this that sex was involved. I don't, I, it's just so weird, very weird, and of course, because at first it was reported, uh, hey, can, can we throw this on right-wingers, just like that Katie Hobbs is trying to, th- you know, the vagrant that broke into her office, they're all trying to blame Carrie Lake for that, because they need some kind of momentum out there in Arizona, these Democrats. I, would, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody tried to say that Carrie Lake was trying to abduct Katie Hobbs at this point, the old Whitmer trick. When you have all the momentum in the world, but you still need to abduct your opponent. Anyway, the Pelosi's just want uh, their privacy now. So there's that, and it makes no sense, and I guess we're just going to have to watch it. A lot of things don't make sense. We had, uh, we had Joe Biden being allowed to drive a sports car alone, on his own, past 110 miles an hour for a Jay Leno skit? I don't think so. This It makes no sense. Not, nothing about the last couple of weeks makes a, a lot of sense at all. But um, that's where we're at with that. So we're going to be done. Let's go and take a quick break. Open this show up. I want to do a little bit of your of your uh, obese Disney movie names that came in, and then we're going to call up John D'Souza. All right? Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Okay, so I'm only going to do a few of these because I can read the rest off later on uh, because so many good ones came in. As you all know, last night we were talking about this new uh, dysphoric Disney Disney character that they're trying to put out there, a, a fat a fat female Disney character lead because um, that's just what they do now. And we started talking about obese Disney movie names. Here were some of the ones that we we kicked off the audience with. Lady in the Bowl of Fettuccine Alfredo, The Not-So-Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Feast, Porcahontas. Those were the, the, the ones we started off with. 
Uh, Fatatouille. This came in from the adamant Bushman. Fatatouille and Grubbin Hood. The Lunchbox of Notre Dame. I thought that was nice. Now, there was a bunch of different plays on Dumbo. Jumbo, that was one that came in. Gumbo, just just gumbo. Um, not to be not to be mistaken with gummo. Wintrell says gravity and tippy toes. The Lion Bar King from Akira the Don. So Lion Bar is uh looks like a very big peanut buttery chocolatey peanut covered chocolate bar that I've never had in my life. Must be foreign. Um, Hamby? Hamby. <laughs> Instead of Bambi, Hamby. Uh, let's see here. I, I well, Somebody said dialysis in Wonderland. <laughs> which is horrible. Oh man, so we'll do more of these later on. You guys are you guys are killing me. Really, really good stuff. We will do that afterwards. Um, but in the meantime, it's 7.22, and I want to play for you. I want to play for you a coming attraction for the newest the newest Missing 411 featuring our friend John D'Souza. Now, who is John D'Souza? Let me get up his short bio over here because it's been a while. Was an FBI agent working counterterrorism and paranormal cases for 25 years. He was also an attorney and maintained a top secret security clearance during his time in the U.S. government, also known as the X-Man. His collected true life X-Files that were used, okay, that uh, he collected the true life X-Files that were used on the highly popular television show, especially those earlier seasons. The X-Files, he now shares in the upcoming, or he shares his experiences and everything else that he's done publishing his work and all of his investigative adventures, he shares in the upcoming movie 411, Missing 411, The UFO Connection. Many of the ideas and realities of his best-selling book, The Extra Dimensionals, are in there. Take a look at this. It's about a minute and 55 seconds long. This is uh, about to be released, I believe. This is the location of a missing hunter. So it looks like people are snatched off the ground and then some of them are dropped back miles and miles away. For thousands of years, the human species has looked to the skies in amazement at unidentified objects. We are staring at unconventional possibilities supported by witnesses, video, and most recently, our own government. I've investigated hundreds of cases that push the limits of standard everyday police protocol. The three witnesses saw this object picking up the elk. There was no cable, nothing discernible pulling the elk to the crowd. I know what happened to me. It happened in 1974. Next thing I know, I was in this cubicle. In many stories, children are right there, and then the next second, they're gone. After reading thousands of reports, I started to document what is called profile points. The number one profile point is lack of scent trail. It was unusual that they had that many tracking dogs. 
I've never found a track. The more you hear, the stranger the story gets. Why send a SWAT team on a missing person case? When I saw that, that's when I, you know, went down on my knees. They are connected to extra-dimensional beings. Those are real. How do you explain to a grieving family that something paranormal may be tied to the disappearance? So let's bring him on then. It's been a, been about a year, year and year and change. I don't think we we spoke. Uh, I think the last time that we all spoke together might have been around 2019, 2020. I don't know. John D'Souza's here though. John, are you hear me? Yes, I hear you fine there, Frank. Hey. You sound great. Hey, when was the last time that you were on this show? I'm 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 failing to remember. It had to be like a year year and a half ago I at least believe. yeah yeah it, it, at least man and, and it's so good um it's so good to have you here and i'm so excited to talk about what you got going on um this is a really exciting um i would say uh oh it's an exciting installment to the whole missing 411 series and because there's and we'll talk about why at least on my end but how did you get linked up with with david um i i, I want to hear all about this oh uh David Politis and I have been uh, speaking for uh, a long time. Uh, we've been consulting on investigations, uh, especially um, uh, this has to do with uh, television productions that are also uh, interested in his work and my work as well. So that also helped to get us together. Uh, however, uh, also, it's just that David Politis has been doing these movies for a long time. And this one, however, is historic because it is the first time that he has been uh, he has been uh, involved where he actually admits uh, admits and puts right up front that there is very possibly a paranormal cause involved with these missing persons cases, uh, as he put in the title of this one. Uh, you know, missing 411, the UFO connection. Uh, that's a very um, that's a very sensitive thing to be doing. Yes, and it is something. It's very touchy because you're dealing with families here who are left behind, uh, families who are still looking for this missing person, and uh, so it becomes a very touchy thing to to explain to say to these families. Um, Hey, we're we're looking very possibly at a paranormal cause being connected to this. Uh, so it's something that we we don't take lightly. We don't take it lightly because, uh, and it's something that just it has to be done. And that's why that's why we made this movie as well for people to see this. Well, it, it, that is. I'm glad that you said that up front because that is the biggest reason that I was excited about this, aside from knowing you, and I, I can't wait to see, I always wanted to talk to David Politis, but this is just, just as awesome to see someone I know working with him and contributing to something that, as you said, historic at least for Politis' work, because he's gained a lot of respect for people for keeping speculation out of everything, and, and that has been, staying away from speculation has, um, you know, as to what could be the driving force between or behind a lot of these extraordinary dis disappearances 
that has been his uh, his trademark, just sticking to the facts there. The fact patterns were more than enough to paint a picture and to ask bigger questions there because but more and more he has included testimony from hunters from campers people who had seemingly supernatural experiences and we can talk about those and encounters with what could be described as uh you know non-human entities but the vibe the vibe john that i have been getting from missing 411 up until this point was that we were going in the direction of bigfoot yeti portals in the woods so what fact patterns could you tell us about what new fact patterns were the basis for this new chapter on ufos in particular well the fact pattern basically have to do with what i explained in the movie and what i explained in my i explained it to david polites and to people in my book the extra dimensionals because all of this stuff appears to be directly connected to extra-dimensional realities, uh, that there has to be some kind of non-physical reality involved in this. And I can give you a quick example. Yes. I mean, I have several I have several stories also ready that are in the movie, but just to give you a, a real quick example, we have, we have a case that uh, happened in, uh, of course, uh, right on the outskirts of one of the national forests, uh, where we had uh, we had a, a husband and a wife who were with their uh, with their two year old, uh, with their two year old, and they were physically uh, on on two. They were about uh, ten yards apart. The, the mother, the father, the two year old goes forward and is just playing, playing by themselves, running and jumping, and then circles around a pretty thick old tree circles around this tree and is out of sight for out of sight for just a moment just for a moment and then the mother and the father kind of look at each other because the child went silent the moment went around this big tree trunk and just went and there was no more sounds coming from there and the mother and the father look at each other they're outdoors and they're just say that's weird it's a weird silence like not only did the child go silent but the birds and all the animals all the natural forest sounds also went silent in that moment so they both just got this creepy feeling and as they're screaming for the child they're getting louder and louder and they're screaming for the child. They're saying um, there's no no response, no no response at all. And so they finally they go forward, and they find that there's nothing there. They see the child's. They can even discern the child's footprints right up until they got to the other side of that tree. They see it. They go down. But the child now they're really scared. Now they're screaming at the top of their lungs. They're looking up this tree down the tree they're they're thinking how could this have gotten by both of them at the same time they were both out there at the same time they they don't and you know of course then they called the authorities uh state troopers national uh the park uh police the park uh uh, department of interior police uh park rangers uh you know they called everybody and um 
You know, no I, that that right Does there, that right there, that, that one part right there about about like a, I would say that sound escape, where everything is just drawn back. There is nothing. There is nothing. There's no breeze. There are no insects. There is no wildlife. It is just like you are inside of an insulated room. I have heard that over and over again. My whole question here is. When you go to, when people hear UFOs, they're thinking something coming from the skies. They're thinking, uh, they're thinking just the crafts themselves and whatnot. But up until this point, I was thinking a lot less X Files and a lot more Twin Peaks. Now, um, I don't know if you ever watched Twin Peaks. It's 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 about it, it wrapped in the '90s, about a year and a half before the X Files began. In fact, it it, it actually um, David Duchovny plays a small bit role in uh, Twin Peaks as a transgender FBI director, and yeah. So, but but the audience in Twin Peaks learns when they're not completely confused by everything else that the that under the umbrella of Project Blue Book. Parts of the intelligence community were actually tasked with mapping out an energetic superhighway of portals and trying to understand the entities that were using them. Um, How much of that do you believe is really going on and what conditions are necessary for portals to open and close? Because, I mean, that's what I feel like you're describing when you talk about these little these these um, these examples in the woods. I, I just don't know what else to say about it. Because you're not talking about a craft that didn't pop up anywhere. Their their eyes weren't drawn to the sky, but all of a sudden everything around them almost collapsed, and then someone blinks out of existence. I, I don't know. Yeah, you know. So what, what do you talk about with that? And, and that's what I and that's what I came to explain uh, to politeness and to the audience uh, of these movies that uh, once you get over that threshold of getting the dogs there, uh, they go, they catch the scent of the child, and, and then they look all, and even the, the troopers, uh, the, the National Park Service people that were with them, you know, even give the dogs the option to look up the tree at that point, uh, to look if there's anything up there they want to follow, and the dogs sit. This is a profile point in all these cases. The dogs sit. Well, anybody who's ever worked with these dogs knows they never sit. If there's any scintilla of scent going anywhere, they never, ever sit. These dogs love doing their job. They love following the clues wherever they may lead. And if that, if that, those clues lead off a cliff, those dogs will just march right off the cliff. That's just how they are. So it just... It just shows that we have crossed that threshold when this child disappears. I mean, it can't even be like a thunderbird or a large eagle because the flapping of wings that would take that child straight up physically uh, would be so much commotion. It would be extremely noticeable. Uh, so so it, it crosses the line into the paranormal where there had to be a supernatural cause that made that child disappear. And that goes right into strange things in the woods, which is something that uh, uh, we're discussing today. And um, there's so many strange things in the woods, like the uh, stairways that people describe yes. appearing in front of them in these in these uh, groves, in these encircled areas in these uh, clearance in the woods that simply just make these uh, stairways appear now but now i have to tell you we have 
many of several of those cases, but those cases are never like really detailed on police reports. They're just reports to park rangers. So they, they're not uh, very extremely detailed. But one of the things that you notice is that the only people who report, let's say the stairway, and we've also had gateways, uh, some weird kind of gates that are set up in the woods. Uh, we've also had um, people that see these giant mirrors giant mirrors that appear sort of like portals and they've seen them in the woods but the only people who ever but we've never had a report of somebody that actually said you know what i went up those stairs and then i came back and here i am it's only the people who see these stairs and then just kind of look at them and then back away because they get a weird feeling inside of themselves when they get too close to these stairs and they absolutely will not climb up those stairs and, and that's those are the only reports we get uh, from the people who come back I'm, I'm so in, I'm I'm so excited that you brought this up because I was going to bring it up with you uh, me my buddy Rob uh, we had uh, discussed on the the air uh, strange things in the woods the stranger, the strangest things that we talk about, and obviously some of these, sometimes you just you, you go into a, a you know woods and you'll find the ruins of an old cabin or you know whatever you'll you'll see stairways that used to be of of an abandoned house. But then there's also these really heavy, heavy uh, concrete stairways, stone structures, wood things that are just so odd and out of place, especially in such a remote location. It doesn't look like it could ever have possibly been a part of something bigger and more, you know, established. And I wanted to bring it up tonight because I actually pulled aside two screenshots that I wanted to talk to you about. Now, first of all, I see this all over the place because people ask about them. Have you ever found, what do you know about stairways in the woods? Somebody said, all I know is don't go near them, don't touch them, and never go up them. Now, exactly. now I want to read you this one. This one is from uh, three years ago that I kept for a night like tonight, and I'm glad that I did. It's two short paragraphs. They say, as, as it pertains to staircases, um, the staircases isn't usually the problem. The magic that powers the portals at the end of the staircase has a shorter half-life than the magic that made the staircase invisible, typically. And then you, uh, and even then, you'd need the key, usually something common around the staircase but used in an obscure way like a piece of sandstone with a number 8 rubbed on it in ash. And now the, here's the last thing he says. The real thing to worry about would be the portal guardian. To be fair, it has probably wandered off and there are plenty of other places in the forest and elsewhere where you could accidentally step into a portal and trigger its guardian, which is why there are staircases and gates. What the hell portal guardian? Is that an actual entity that is assigned a portal? There probably is, uh, but... Um, one of the things that I found in a lot of these uh, UFO cases and other cases is that these things appear to have the power of dissuasion, dissuasion. In other words, they have the power to make you feel on an intuitive level that, that you know what, I shouldn't, I shouldn't mess with this, I shouldn't mess with this. I shouldn't. I should leave it alone. That's one of the things we found um, when um, what what was it? It was the uh, 
the Phoenix case of uh, the Phoenix Lights, yeah. uh, which occurred, which in- included these giant uh, black triangles, these giant black triangles. And, and this is from my book, The Extra Dimensionals, where you have these giant black triangles that appeared in 1996 and then again in 2008, 2008. Uh, and they traveled over Phoenix slowly and apparently not minding if they're seen. Uh, however, one of the strange things, because in Arizona, everyone has guns. Everybody's got guns. And one of the strange things that we noticed during these cases is that people who had guns with them, uh, and this occurred again in Texas um, several years later uh, with policemen, uh, people who had guns uh, kind of were immediately came up with the thought, you know, I should take my gun out and point it at this slow-moving uh, triangle that's coming right over my head. And some of them did start to take out their guns. Uh, they started to point them at this thing. Uh, some of them were even going to shoot at the thing, which you would expect in Arizona. Well, I would. I would expect that in Arizona. Uh, but every one of them, every one of these witnesses just got the thought that popped into their head that said, you know what, you shouldn't do that. Don't do that. Put your gun away. Put your gun away and do not do that. And they all put their guns away. Uh, in Texas, we even had a, a, a female police officer uh, in the Texas, I forget the name of the town, but who actually was confronted one of these large black triangles uh, that was coming over her head. And she just had a radar gun. She had a radar gun at that time that was already out. And she was going to point the radar gun at the vehicle, at this large triangle that was floating over her head. And uh, she, again, she got the thought that popped into her head that said, don't point anything at this vehicle, just don't do it. And she put the radar gun away. So we see that I, in my in my books, I call that uh, the power of dissuasion. If these were human beings, they would be using a force field to protect themselves, but uh, but they're not. They're not, so they use something else, and I call it some sort of dissuasion power oh. that they use. And I think the guardians of these of these um, portals probably use the same thing. I I have to. Um, I, I, we we well, we'll get back to the forests and and missing four one one in a in a second. But since you brought up the triangles, and even the phoenix lights, um, what do you what are you, what's your personal take on? The black triangles, because especially in recent years, we learn about and uh, we read about and we we hear about all of these secret space programs and the the kind of craft and technology that have been kept from us, so that there is some sort of a uh, a buffer between what we think is possible and what actually is possible just for psychological reasons and all that but even with uh, the phoenix lights that's 1996 1997 uh, we we see things like the phoenix lights all the time these these almost the uh, these lights that are are moving in a strange line and almost like coordinated with each other now we just know that as starlink so you know it, it's uh whenever i see these starlink uh, uh uh you know daisy chains of satellites in the air that people send in and go what the hell is that I said, oh, that's Starlink. And, and immediately I said, huh, you know, uh, if this was 1996, we might have freaked out. But now we just know it's um, it's billionaires putting, you know, tens of thousands of satellites up in the air again that we know about. So uh, what do you what do you think about the, the black triangles? Uh, is it uh, is it something that's ours? 
Has it always been ours? What? Well, yeah. Now, now uh, after I've looked at a lot of the work from others, um, other people into this area, uh, and I've looked into this uh, deeply myself, uh, I do believe that the most of the black triangles are human-made. Let's put it that way: human-made, and, and appears to be. But the question is, do they belong to any particular nation? Are they made by the United States? Are they? But then that also bleeds over into the UAP uh, situation, where we have all these UAP vehicles and all of these things, and those are those are all they're all man-made. Mm. They are absolutely man-made. Uh, but the UAP is a part of something more sinister. Uh, as soon as you hear uh, UAP, uh, you know that you're a part of this. Uh, this world uh, uh, psyop that is where these these machines are being reverse engineered or created by these global powers. I, I believe that is it is global powers uh, that are actually creating these uh, UAPs, and they're trying to use their national assets to uh, capture everybody's imagination and to get everyone to just think about UAPs, and they throw up these ridiculous videos, these ridiculous videos supposedly from the Pentagon uh, that show these 1950s kind of gun sight videos. It's just, it's all part of, it's all part of this PSYOP operation with uh, vehicles that are man-made. Uh, I even, I saw a congressman say recently, a uh, congressman from Indiana say recently that he absolutely believes that these UAPs are, are not necessarily from the United States. Uh, or from any other national government. However, he does believe that they are man-made and that they are involved with the big, um, uh, the big uh, companies like McDonnell Douglas. Uh, these are global companies uh, and uh, others that are putting these things together and they're being used for some nefarious purpose. And uh, I believe that that purpose is gonna be, uh, in the future, is gonna be fake alien invasion. But that's a whole nother that's a whole nother topic for uh, for another day. I can't wait that's to I can't wait to talk about that because that that's another favorite thing of mine to speculate about. In fact, that that's what I thought that we might have gotten in 2020 at some point. I said, why? There's the only thing that we were missing in 2020 was an was an alien as, aspect. In fact, they they tried to really, and it's still happening right now. The the seriousness with which the once very um, you know, sarcastic and mocking media are now reporting on strange things in the skies, unidentified objects that are swarming around naval crafts and all this other stuff. It That in itself makes it very, very unpalatable to me that the people in the media who once would just make crack jokes and all that stuff are now the ones leading the charge and, you know, the, the serious questions that need to be asked. So that in itself... Again, another time, but there is a, a link between what we were just talking about now and what we we started with, with um, missing four one one, and that is if if UFO, if the UFO question is now being considered as a a possible player in this very crazy and real um, missing persons rate in our national parks, then how much of it can we consider to be actually interdimensional and extraterrestrial uh, in nature and how much of it is just a 
human government program that just picks people off and uh, I, I don't know. I mean, how much of this could be actually human human done? It, that's, that's aside from the portal, because I want to talk about portals a little bit more there, too. And uh, what is it about forests in general? Because I think that's probably where the, um, the truth really is lying. But as far as the, the UFO aspect here, how can we even try to get to the bottom of whether or not this is just human machinations or something that's extraterrestrial? Well, you know, you, you can't really because these uh, even these reverse-engineered uh, human-made UAPs are using technology that is, again, it's like, it's tremendous technology. And they could possibly have the poss- the ability to make people disappear. Uh, however, uh, if this is happening in the forests, uh, I believe it is, uh, it is probably genuinely extra-dimensional vehicles. Uh, extra-dimensional vehicles that have capabilities that we cannot, that we cannot understand unless we actually we have to actually investigate the cases that show genuine extra-dimensional UFOs so that we see how they operate, what do they do, what kind of capabilities they have, and then we can distinguish so that when we see something happening like this, this UAP uh, psychological operation that's been going on the last couple of years with the, with the news services, I mean, as soon as you see something uh, being blasted on Fox News or on CNN uh, saying saying to you, hey, these could possibly be real UFOs, you know it's fake. You know it's fake. As soon as you see that, uh, you see that uh, it's absolutely not true. However, in the uh, forests, uh, we appear to be seeing things uh, uh, appearing and disappearing that are that are incredibly um, incredibly uh, capable of doing things that even the UAPs can't do. And you know, and my first my first exposure to a missing persons case. Uh, in the forest was, of course, uh, was of course uh, Travis Travis uh, Walton. I was just going to bring him up. I'm glad you brought him up. In 1975, that was that was a missing persons case uh, because in 1975 in Sitgraves, Arizona, uh, for five days, for five days, we had the state troopers, the Arizona state troopers, uh, the local sheriff, and the FBI sitting with six young men, uh, grilling them on what they did with Travis Walton's body. Where did they hide it? Because this, as far as they were concerned, this was definitely a murder case. And they murdered this kid, and they hid his body somewhere where they can't find it because they searched up and down. They searched up and down that entire forest to see where did they hide Travis Walton's uh, body. And it just, nothing came up. So they kept on grilling these kids, and they also uh, prepared an indictment. They prepared an indictment of these of these six young men for murder, uh, for murder. And they were basically telling the young the, these young kids, uh, "Hey, the first one to rat out the others, you'll get off. You'll get off." And when they were in the middle of doing this, uh, Travis Walton appears. He appeared at some uh, local cafe, and he was naked. And he was naked. And he had some weird, vicious sort of liquid on his body, and it was incredible. It was incredible. And um, you know, when uh, when victims of disappearances reappear, uh, the law law enforcement suddenly is not that happy with them. 
not happy with them, and not wanting to believe what they say. So some of these cases, some of these cases that you will see in this movies, uh, in this movie, uh, 411 Missing, uh, the uh, UFO Connection, we will have victims that reappear and tell some crazy, crazy stories. And suddenly, uh, law enforcement, you know, isn't believing them or treating them like victims anymore. Oh. Um, yeah. So that's, okay. those are the those are the really. Uh, that was also my introduction to strange things appearing in the woods, where we had this, uh, where we had this UFO that was about sixty feet in diameter that was filled with light, just appeared in the middle of the forest. It just appeared there, according to the testimony of you know a dozen people. Uh, and so we saw that thing. Uh, another another time uh, was in 1980 uh, when you had the uh, the uh, British uh, the uh, British well the American military base that was on British soil in Rendlesham, and then suddenly that forest was invaded by small, relatively small UFOs. That again, they were filled with light some kind of plasma light on the inside this usually tends to to mitigate towards them being extra dimensional vehicles what does that mean when you say extra dimensional vehicles well it means they have the ability to <clears throat> appear and disappear kind of phase out of existence that's what an, a true extra dimensional ufo has the ability to do and that's what they did in rendlesham in 1980 and one of the ufos was actually uh, appeared to be uh, wounded or or hurt somehow, and it was kind of crashing against trees, against trees as it was wandering around the forest. And one came uh, one came right up to the front gate of the military installation. A red light they 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 had reported. Uh, I remember the reports, um, the the testimony from the soldiers that were there saying, uh, "Sir, it's at, it's at the front gate." And uh, I've lo- I mean this this is an in- that's an incredible story the Rendleton, um story. Yeah, and but it also you have to factor in uh, the fear and, f- and shock factor from human beings when they're confronted with this sort of thing. I mean, there a lot of the soldiers in that in that entire scene. That scene went on the entire weekend, by the way. It was like for two or three days straight. It was going on with these these lit up UFOs wandering around their forest on the outskirts of the military base. And, and so it was, a, it was a big fear factor involved with that. And many of the soldiers, when Colonel Halt got there and organized them into a search party to, uh, to go chasing after these UFOs that were in the forests, a lot of these young soldiers were saying, this is insane. These UFOs are going to make us disappear. And that's what they were thinking. And Colonel Halt didn't didn't care because he was a real leader, and he said, "No, we got to go. We got to find these things." And you know, he didn't have a clear picture of what the what they were going to do when they caught up with these things. Uh, but they still had to chase them down. And uh, Colonel Halt, you know, created an audio record of every second of that chase of that search uh, when it happened. So these are the uh, incredibly weird things that are in the forest. But if I were to um, go to your um, when you're going to have like a special show on uh, weird things uh, in the forest, uh, if I were to go to that, here's what I would tell you about. When I was uh, many, many years ago, when <clears throat> t- talking about strange things in the woods, I'm looking at the title of this show, strange things in the woods, uh, many years ago, I was uh, going to uh, university 
at Binghamton University, uh, home of the triple cities, uh, Binghamton, Endicott, and Johnson City, for anybody who knows upstate New York. And when I was there, uh, me and other college kids, we used to uh, go and uh, swim in the Susquehanna River. Susquehanna River. Uh, it's a big, beautiful river that has a lot of different components to it, including like a canal kind of like area where it goes over these uh, these canals. But we used to go swim in that river. And one day we found, and I'm just saying this in case anybody, any of your listeners have this had this experience as well. Uh, one day we found just off the river, uh, it was a structure. We found a structure. And the structure was, instead of being made of bricks, it was made out of a smooth kind of cement. It was about, I would say, it was a cube that was just bolted into the ground somehow. I don't know how. But it was a cube that was about, I would say, about 12 feet by 12 feet, 12 feet by 12 feet. And it was just there. It had no, no doors in it. It was just a smooth gray cement cube that was there. The only thing it had in it was some prison bars, a small, a small window and prison bars in that window. That was all there was. There was no other window, no other door, nothing. Uh, it was just a, the strangest thing. So we all took turns looking at it and looking at it. And we also all took turns looking in that small barred window. It was about this size. It was about big enough for your face. That's it. And we all took turns looking in that barred, those bars. And we couldn't really see very much inside that thing. But we all got, like, we could look at in it more than just a few seconds because you just had to take your face away because you got all these strange, weird feelings and thoughts as soon as you put your face in that window to look at it. And so we couldn't just stay there for very long. And we just kind of, left it alone after that. We walked away from it. And then I noticed that we all, like, forgot about it, about this structure. Uh, it was a structure that was so close to the river that it looked like it would be submerged if the river got really high. I mean, that's what it looked like. And I'm sure it's been very high many times in the past. Uh, but no, but at this particular moment, it was all there. It was, like I said, it was about 12, uh, I would say about 10 feet by 10 feet. Uh, it just had that little cell, cell with the bars, iron bars that appeared to be rusted. Is, this, mean, is it still there today? It could have been 100 years old or more. Sorry. But is it, is it still there today? Is it something well, that... Well, that's the other strange part about it because it seems like something that you would you would just like go back and investigate it further but what i noticed was as soon as we went away from that that thing uh and we left that day we all forgot about it like completely and i didn't even remember that incident 
until years and years later, I remembered about it. It was almost like, uh, and we've had this uh, this kind of like um, weird kind of forced amnesia in many other instances with UFO incidences uh, and um, UFO related incidences where you have an experience and then suddenly <laughs> you notice that it just goes out of your mind and you forget about it completely. Uh, and you don't remember till years later. So yeah, we never went back. We never investigated further on it until, like I said, years later, we remembered that incident happened. Well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this here and right before you brought up Travis Walton, I I was saying to myself, I guess the I guess the bigger problem is that barely anyone comes back to actually tell the story about what was going on. If they've been if they've been whisked away by something in the sky, or if they go behind a tree. I mean, I, I that that especially now being a father, I think about being you know it out in a in a it, yeah outdoors, but not in a place that is unsafe. And just to have my daughter walk 10, 10 yards away and dip behind a tree and that's that's it as if you know something just had it opened up and swallowed her whole because but it was know, just a moment for, you know, because in a moment yeah like it's just there's just a I don't know it's like you went through a doorway that seems more like a doorway open than a craft you know came down and picked up an entire ox whole. You know, yes, so so my exactly. so my question is, it's always been, what is it about the forests? I, I and it, it's not even just a, you know, because I have to imagine that there are, there's got to be if if it's is it that there's just certain types of unseen energy meridians that uh, that kind of map out the whole world almost like a uh, like a super highway of 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 I don't know of portals and wormholes and whatnot. That we just don't understand where goes what goes where um, is is it has to do with the trees itself? Is it what is it mineral deposits? Under I remember I was listening to the the Penny Royal podcast discussing they were discussing all these weird things that were going on in this particular county in Kentucky, and when it came to things like this disappearances and portals and odd creatures that would uh, maybe use this portal as a doorway to to you know come and go as they please uh, i i believe that the the podcast hosts were suspecting that it was because there was such a high concentration of quartz crystal deposits all around the area maybe that made that just that energized something what is it about the forests that you know th there's got to be something structurally about it let me see i let me tell you this, I've gone through the same mental processes that you just described. And here's one of the things that I came up with with all of these cases. Uh, because we have um, the one profile point that appears consistently in all of these cases, uh, all of these cases, uh, whether you're talking about experienced hunters uh, who know the forest up and down, they know it backwards and forwards. Uh, because they've been in it for many, many years, or experienced hikers who know the forest, again, backwards and forwards. The one profile point that I notice is that whether, uh, even whether you're talking about a little kid that disappears, is that every one of these instances, I don't think it could be a, a sort of a doorway trap or or a doorway kind of 
well, describe it like a trap. That's how I would, or let's say a stairs uh, with a gateway. I think there has, in other words, I think there has to be an intelligence behind this kind of thing because of the single profile point that's always present with everything, which is that in every single instance, the person, whether they're an adult or a child, whether it's a, a hunter or a hiker, whatever that, they have to be alone. Even if it's just for a minute, even if it, they have to be alone. In other words, no direct witnesses, no direct witnesses. To me, that speaks of an intelligence going here, going on here, uh, behind the scenes, some sort of intelligence. And for me, I always think of it in terms of we're with a lot of these things, we're either talking about an organized group of serial killers or an organized group of extra-dimensional UFOs that are actually tracking these people for to see when are they alone? When are they completely alone with no possibility of direct witnesses? Mm. And that's the only reason, really, why I don't believe it could be, um, you know, a, a a sort of doorway trap or a gateway portal, a portal that people just uh, go through. Because then we would have witnesses that were like somebody right. that was there and saw, hey, I saw him go through the portal. Hey, I'm your witness. You're right. I saw it happen. It happened right from. That's why. That's a good point. I believe, yeah, exactly. That's why I believe these cases have to be an organized intelligence behind them because these people are being tracked. They are being tracked and they're being watched for a minute, uh, for a minute for when they are completely alone. You know what, in, in terms of that, uh, you asked me about uh, urban experiences. Yeah. Urban experiences. You were interested in that. Yeah. And I, I have mean, one here. They talk about the, the concrete jungles of New York. Now, I know there's a lot more psychopaths in cities per capita, <laughs> but, but you know, but the, but I, I have to imagine that there is, uh, I don't know, that there's so much more going on there that could open up a Stargate somewhere when you talk about the kind of technology and the, the, the electricity that's pumped through a metropolitan area. I can't imagine that it could be so much different than a desolate forest. Yeah. And as you're saying, there could be portals involved with this sort of thing. There could be portals. There could be uh, gateways that are involved with these disappearances. But what I'm saying is I don't think it could be the only primary cause. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. There has to be intelligence here. So let me just tell you one that's going to uh, blow your mind. I don't know if we have time uh, right now, but um, uh, let me just tell you one. It's it's that will blow your mind completely because I believe it is absolutely authentic. And here it is. There was a, there was a young man, uh, and I call him Bill. Uh, he, he's not ready to give his true information at this point. Uh, he was a young man uh, in his early 30s. Uh, he, was, he was in a major city, just put it that way. He was in an urban area in a major city. Uh, he... he um, was a white collar worker, a professional, uh, but his car was in the sh his car is in the shop. Is he's been having a lot of problems with his car, uh, so his car has been in the shop a lot, and he's had he's had to take 
uh, the buses. He's had to take the buses for work and to leave work. So this was on a Friday evening, okay? This was in a major city on a Friday evening. Uh, and he was trying to go home from work. Uh, so and also, he was a, he's a fan of the 411 movies, which he says saved his life. Okay, let me show you. Let me tell you. Show you how. He was at the. He was at this bus stop where he has taken the bus many times. Uh, he he knows the route. He knows the bus, and he knows the people that you know sit there with him and wait for the bus as well. Well, this particular evening, it happened to get uh, darker earlier at this time. Uh, it started getting uh, dark earlier, and then he. He looks up, he's sitting at the bus stop, and he's sitting, and suddenly he looks up and he notices that the peop- there's nobody else waiting for the bus with him. He's, by him. he's alone at the bus stop. And then he gets a weird kind of feeling, gets kind of a chill down his neck, and he just feels like something's wrong, and he gets this... Uh, thought in his head that just pops into his head that says uh, that bus ain't never coming and it's a very uncomfortable thought and he just stands up he starts looking around and he notices everything's desolate everything's desolate there's no there's no traffic he looks down the the street to see if the bus is coming again ain't no bus coming and then he just kind of backs up a little bit, and then he starts hearing what he calls the shuffling. He starts hearing a shuffling sound from what he called the high places. And he just backs up from the bus stop, and he starts looking up, and he sees something that he almost, he almost doesn't see it. He sees what he described as something on top of the bus stop and the lamppost which was flickering off and on something's on top of the lamppost that was providing light for the entire area and something is up there he starts seeing something that appears to be invisible Uh kind of invisible but he says he can sort of see the outlines the outlines of these creatures like creatures. like cellophane yeah sort of like cellophane and he, but he says these things are not human he says they appear to be simian like ape like sort of ape like and he says because they were moving very easily on top of these high places they were moving very easily and he said he heard shuffling from more than one place so then he's thinking and he's thinking the first one he can see is because it's it's sort of lit up by the lamppost that is kind of lighting up the outlines of this thing. And it's moving around in a circly kind of weird way that a human would not. It, like I said, appears simian. And then he just got started getting very, very scared. And he started backing up more to see these things. And then these things were jumping from the lamppost to the top of the bus stop uh, thing, whatever you call that thing that's on a bus stop. Yeah. Uh, they started jumping on top of that thing, and he saw that it was more than one, and then he got, but again, these things were invisible. He could only, it was like, um, 
Predator, like the movie Predator, sort of. Except these things were more invisible than the Predator creature was in those in those movies. Uh, because in those movies, I mean, you could see the Predator creature pretty easily. There's a dis- um, there, it's almost as if they when they move, there is an odd displacement, yes. an odd displacement there. That's why I said that it, it. It, it looks like cellophane moving. You can see through it, but there's something yes. there. That's what he said. He said it's only when they're moving. Uh, it's almost like they forget that not to move uh, when you're looking at them uh, because they just move quickly and then you can see that sort of cellophane outline uh, that they give off. And he says, then he got this horrible feeling that there was probably another one that he couldn't see at all on the ground with him. Uh, it was just a feeling because he didn't hear anything. And then he said he just felt the word in his head, run. And he did. He ran, and he actually ran. In te- there was one car that was coming, that was coming out in the hi- uh, in the highway where he was, and he intentionally ran right in front of that car, and the car just hit the brakes and almost smashed him, almost smashed him in the head because he was falling over to try to escape from these things, and then the car stopped, and then. The guy who was driving the car stuck his head out to to uh, yell at him, <laughs> to yell at him, and to say, "Hey, you stupid idiot! What the hell are you doing?" And he just he just threw up his hands and he started engaging the writer. He felt the words, "No witnesses, no witnesses." I don't know why. That's what he felt. And then he, the guy was yelling at him from his car. He rolled down his windows, yelling at him, like, "Hey, are you? What's going?" And he started engaging the driver. He said, "Hey, I'm not, I'm not hurt. I'm fine. I'm good. You know, I'm really sorry about that. I'm just feeling a little dizzy, disoriented. That's why, you know, I, I, I almost fell down in front of you. I'm really sorry." He just tried to keep the guy talking because he felt like if he could just get some witnesses. Uh, or a witness from anything uh, that something these these things wouldn't take him and sure enough as he kept the guy talking he kept the guy talking he was like no you know I'm not I'm feeling fine I'm I'm not hurt at all I'm just really sorry about you know interrupting your day I'm really and then the guy was like okay well um, you know are you sure you don't need a ride somewhere you don't need a a ride to the hospital he said no I, I think I'll be fine I think and as he's as he's finishing up with this guy, he's looking out of the corner of his eyes, and he sees these things. He, well, he thought he could see these things um, moving the opposite direction, moving away from him, and they were now gone beyond the uh, light pole, the light of the light pole um, that was lighting them up a little bit. And he actually saw these things twinkle, twinkle. You know, he felt that they disappeared. And at that, that point. At that point, I have to the imagine the, the yeah. sound, the soundscapes from the the city returned back to where it was again. The silence was gone. Yes, yes. And these things, he saw them uh, going away from him at a rapid pace, and then he saw them kind of twinkle, like because he felt like they were disappearing. And then he finally told the guy, "Yeah, I'm good, man. You just go ahead, go on your way, and uh, I'm fine now. Thanks so much." So, so, so he, John, he, he, this and is... those things disappear. And he says now that he uh, he got his car fixed, and he will never be at any bus stops ever again. Well, this is an example, as you said, of how because this 
you you can take that and you can almost like carbon lay it all all over that last story from the woman i think it was a woman who was hunting on her own like maybe five acre property in ohio or something like that it's like one of the last stories told on missing 411 the hunted yes. when she's yes. talking about the 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 sound escape all of a sudden there's nothing around and then starting to see almost like this translucent figure swinging from tree to tree coming toward yes. her and barely I'll escaping now, yeah. he, here's the last thing I want to ask you, because I know we're pressed for time now. Um, Skinwalker Ranch. This is a situation when I, this is what I think about when I hear these stories, and I think about what we're talking about tonight. This is one of those hot spots, Skinwalker Ranch in particular, that people love to discuss, um, where all of the most popular aspects of the UFO phenomenon, from the lights in the sky to strange cattle mutilation and all that stuff, are combined with the patterns that we have learned about exclusively with Missing 411 over the years, namely time and spatial displacement, st- uh, strange translucent cellophane-like creatures, um, all this stuff combined into like one petri dish example of things happening on this one strip of land. Uh, that is something we got to talk about one day. Uh, because, like I said, all of these most popular aspects of these things, of these uh, these stories and these studies, it's like they come together and they join in that one spot. It's another reason why I'm so uh, excited to hear about what is in this latest installment of Missing 411 with you inside of it, because it's it's almost going to, you, you think about what David Politis re- re- uh, reports on from, uh, you know, from the get-go, to add your work on top of it is almost as if you were taking the entire country as a Skinwalker Ranch incident. You're expanding it beyond the point of that one ranch, and now we're getting all these aspects in one. I can't wait to see the balance of it all. Oh, absolutely, and that's what I'm here to explain to people as far as about um, extra dimensionality. It's that that's the reason why whenever you take this paranormal phenomena and you throw it into the uh, terrible acid vat of scientific inquiry, inquiry, it's always gonna fail. It's always gonna fail because all of these phenomena, all of these things have a quality of extra dimensionality to it, which means coming from another dimension of reality, another dimension of reality, and they can go back there too. So. You, these these scientists and these scientific methods of inquiry um, are never going to help you to prove any of this is true. Uh, as a matter of fact, science isn't interested in finding anything new for you at all. Um, and, and that's proven um, at, uh, at Skinwalker Ranch as well, uh, where we have this extraordinary, uh, this extraordinary uh, extra-dimensional uh, uh, realities going on all the time. And yet, We've never had anybody uh, bring something new to science and say, "Hey, this has been discovered. There it is." It's never going to happen. They're not—they're not interested in expanding your knowledge, uh, expanding your knowledge of anything. I mean, they were uh, scientists were trying to keep us from discovering the uh, mountain gorilla in Africa until 1901. Until 1901, they said the mountain gorilla was a was a myth was a myth didn't exist it was just in the imagination of uh, africans and others it was just it wasn't real you know but eventually science finally accepted the existence of the african uh, mountain gorilla in 1901 
So it takes it's it's something where we just we just can't depend on them to help us to find the truth about these things. And uh, if you're waiting for them, you're gonna be waiting a long time because mm. they they don't care and they do not want you to find anything that could interfere with the scientific evolutionary model that they have set up and that they want everyone to follow. And that's it. That's that's why they just won't. They just won't help you with this. Well, we I think we've all grown a little bit um, a little bit weary of of the egos that are are really controlling most of the funding and most of the the bigger scientific endeavors out there these days, whether it be medicine or otherwise. And I guess one of the other things that we could have spoken about if we had a little bit more time was, I guess, just the the, the pattern of cover-ups. You know, the National Park Services, law enforcement in general, obviously we know how hot and cold and evasive the feds have been about discussing what happens in the skies, abductions, etc. So I can see how that pattern alone would relate to um, would relate uh, closely with the work that you're doing with David Politis right now, uh, with how evasive people have been with what's going on in the skies. They've been just as evasive with people who have been inquiring about this very long, sordid history of people, experienced outdoorsmen and women that just disappear off the face of the earth with no trace whatsoever in our national parks as far back as data collection had started. So it's uh, hopefully we are able to open up new interesting chapters. When does this actual uh, release date arrive for the the movie? Right now, it's uh, it looks like it's December twelfth. Uh, December twelfth, it will be available. Uh, the links are on my uh, on my YouTube and on my uh, my things if people want to see. Uh, it is it'll be available for uh, download uh, to individuals and. Uh, also, we're not even, we're not, so right now, uh, it's not available yet. We're having the premiere like next week in uh, Tempe, Arizona, uh, and uh, that's going to be happening. Uh, so I would, uh, yes, there it is. Missing for one release date is November 15th. I mean, I'm being given November 15th. That's what it said. November 15th is the uh, release date. Uh, for this movie, uh, so it's not available right now. But if people keep checking back uh, with my media, it'll be it'll be available there as well. Um, so that will be uh, also if people are uh, people are interested in my book, The Extra Dimensionals. I am offering 25% off on my site uh, under the coupon uh, Frank 25. Frank, Frank 25. And that will be uh, for the extra dimensionals, which is what I used uh, in um, 411 Missing. And what's your uh, website? What's your website again, uh, John? It's, web- it's John Tama Books. JohnTamaBooks.com. JohnTamaBooks.com. And uh, that's the uh, website that I have, and that's the one everyone uses. And uh, so these things are are just um, very important because we are we are now. Um, we are now living in an area where we have to find truth for ourselves. The authorities are are never going to help us with this. Um, you know, National Park Service uh, that uh, just wants to avoid these cases, these missing persons cases. You know, as you said, uh, they they are not interested in helping anybody with these cases, and that's. It's, it's not because they are part of the conspiracy. Uh, it's because they just don't want to be bothered. They just don't want to be bothered. The majority of most law enforcement is lazy law enforcement. And 
incompetent law enforcement. That's just that's just a universal rule. You know, I, I, I didn't make that rule, but I recognize it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was laughing in the early part of your show. Oh, thank you. I see you showing that. Oh, and, um, and I have the URL in the episode description, too. So people will be able to go to your URL um, just by reading the episode description. And, and, and also, I, I know you're you're wrapping up and and you're you're saying your uh your your parting shots here but i also want to let you know that uh you let me uh just you tell me because i know at, at first you want as many people to go out and watch this as possible tell me whenever it is appropriate for me to be able to have a group viewing with some members of this audience on my website we do we have our the quite frankly network after hours we play all types of documentaries and things like that maybe sometime in december after it's been out for a few weeks you get permission you can give us some permissions if you can we'll do whatever we we have to 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 uh, to do a big group viewing and premiere it on the network i'd love to do watch that with people Oh, absolutely! It'll be great for that, and yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely uh, look forward to that. Um, yeah, because um, like I was saying, uh, these are things where we just we need to resolve these things and help each other peer to peer, peer to peer, because the authorities are, are never going to help us with any of this stuff. As soon as the authorities stop working on a missing persons case, as soon as they hear anything to do with serial killers possibility of serial killers or possibility of ufos lights in the sky when they they hear any of that they immediately okay this is done we're done with this this is this is over closed case cold case it's done and and so we have found that over and over again Uh, those are the things that authorities fear more than anything they fear any mention of serial killers uh any mention or any mention of ufos lights in the sky if they hear those things, they're out of here. Oh boy! You know, I was, yeah, I was laughing uh, in the earlier part of your show when you were talking about these uh, these fake uh, crime scenes that are being used now by uh, Katie Hobbs, Katie Hobbs, and Pelosi, and Pelosi as well. It's just incredible. When in doubt, when you you know you're losing everything, just create a, a do a Jesse Jesse Smollett, just create a fake crime scene, Something. and then, uh, but. Whenever you do that, uh, you have to have cooperation of local authorities that are gonna, that are going to come in, the police authorities that are going to come in and say, "Oh yeah, this looks like a real crime scene. This is something real." Like I said, the majority of law enforcement is uh, either is either incompetent, lazy, or both, and they cooperate with these fake crime scenes, uh, with these uh, ridiculous uh, allegations. Sometimes they're false flags, too. Uh, they cooperate with all these things. You know, it's worthless. It's a terrible thing. And so I wanted to tell your audience, we're living in a time uh, when uh, law enforcement is being weaponized against the people, against us. Um, in particular, the FBI is now being used to go after patriotic Americans, Americans. Uh, and it's being done on a large scale now. We have ATF is going door to door for people uh, to uh, to go and uh, take their guns, examine their guns. You know what kind of nonsense is this? I guess this you, is uh, yeah. incredible. I and I can guess. I guess you can say right there with with all of that attention being put on. Uh, solidifying control and and just whipping people into really 
I don't know, docile ways of life, there is very little, to your points before, very little uh, genuine attention paid or interest paid uh, to things like this. Anything that could expand our understanding of the world around us, the universe, our place in it, and answering all those very old questions. Unless, of course, they know the answers, and, <laughs> and they just don't want the information getting out. But, John, Sorry. it's uh, it's great to have you on again. I can't wait for the next time. Because there's already several topics I wrote down that we have got to expand on. And you let yes. me know. I'm sure you're going to be doing a lot of press. I know you're going on with Red Pill uh, 78 uh, tonight, right? Yes, correct. Have fun. And, uh, to, to the person in the chat that asked if I, was a, if I was a serial killer, I would say, no, I'm not. But I have worked closely with serial killers throughout the years and they have told me some very interesting things including they told me that uh serial killers uh real serial killers actually have uh supernatural abilities and powers that help them to be successful as serial killers and so again but that you can uh, read about in my books as well where i talk about it in the uh power investigators so Shit, that's okay. uh, that's something uh, mc you might be interested in taking a look at that well see. i'm I, i'm uh, willie willie the serial killer that's I, it i can't <laughs> wait i will that's another thing we're gonna have to talk about it's supernatural serial killers i'm not surprised yeah. however that somebody in the audience uh assumed you may be one but but it, the, 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 they're the, there it's <laughs> Either way, I'm so I'm happy to know that though. Um, yes, my friend John, he is not a serial killer. But John, have a wonderful night. Uh, send my best to Zach over there on Red Pill, and I will. Uh, and we will talk soon. I cannot wait for this release. John D'Souza, it's JohnTamaBooks.com. The link is in the description of this episode, and uh, he will be back before you know it. Thanks again, sir. Thanks, Frank. Awesome being with you and your audience. Good stuff. Always is. All right. Bye-bye. Take care, man. All right. Okay, Friday night, moving right along. One minute and a half break. If that, we're just going to go and take a quick one, uh, and I will... Am I, am I doing this right? Where the hell? Okay, yeah, I think I am doing this right. We're going to go take a really quick break. We come back. We're going to take some of your calls, and we're going to jump into some of your own stories, weird things you've seen in the woods. And there's a lot of... There's some funny things I've seen here, uh, some, some very strange things, and um, I can't wait to hear what else we find. Don't go anywhere. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Entering. 
Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Quite frankly. Let's go, Brandon. Not quite. Quite frankly in Roma Italia. I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? Are you in the woods right now? Well, you better watch out. <laughs> I'm not in the woods. Well, I'm in the woods. Aren't we all in the woods in one way or another? Let's get to our super chats. Quite frankly, superchat.com. Then we'll go to Rumble. Then we'll go to Pilled. And then I have some other things I want to do real quick. We jump into the rest of it. Stostube. Stostube says, Frank, excellent Friday, my good sir. Have a great weekend. Just dropping a little something for a great show as always. You guys, thank you. Thank you. Wonderful of you. Here in the Northeast, in the best time of year to be up here in the Northeast, the fall. I share the Northeast with the Stostubes. Fatboy Vince says, I miss Rob. Everything okay? Yes. Everything's okay. I, I promise. I keep telling you, give you updates. Rob is. Uh, Rob has had a uh, a shift in employment, in job, in work schedules. Everything's okay. I promise you that. Um, Shake and Bake says, "Sheesh, Frank. I think this is the angriest we have seen you toward Aurora." <laughs> no, it's not Aurora. It's uh, it's the scare. It's the scaredest I've ever been. To think that there's a possibility if she's not guided correctly that she could turn into that Twitter girl that would be her, that would be a nightmare uh, it's your kids Marty something's gonna be done about your kids it's like it's almost like a back to the future kind of a moment for me I got to prevent this from happening have a good weekend Lord Francis thank you sir thank you my liege <clears throat> Jenna from South Carolina. Here's an obese Disney name for you. Pocahontas. Haunches. Pocha. Pocahontas. Haunches. Got you. <laughs> Thank you, Jenna. Uh, let's see here. Mike and Robin an hour ago says chicken vittles instead of chicken little. Gino. Sitting outside by the fire, getting ready for tomorrow night's Halloween party, enjoying the show, my favorite time of year. Much love to you and the family, Francis. You know, I, gotta, I can show you something, but I don't have enough time to show you. What I'll do is tomorrow I'll have a little show and tell. I have Halloween 1996 over here dialed up. Some of my family, uh, uh, my family videos. The first thing I'm going to show you is the Yankees winning the World Series.
It was on October 26th, 1996. It was at our Halloween, Christmas, my father's Halloween party at my grandmother's house, which was always decked out to the nines, no matter what the occasion was. We were all up in the living room, me, my mother, my brother, our cousins, uh, everybody, every pitch, screaming, screaming, oh my God, this is the one. Is this the one? Remember, they hadn't been to the World Series since 1981 at that point. They hadn't won since 1978. This was, everybody was ready to explode. New York was ready to explode. <clears throat> and the and you just see it, and it, I love watching it because I can relive it all over again. And I love that all these times are caught on tape. But um, then there's something else that happens afterwards that has to do with what was going on in the inside, what I remember going on in the inside of the house after the Yankees had won and what was being filmed on the front lawn how it, it it blends together in perfect timing and it's all caught on tape I can't wait to show it to you tomorrow now so that sounds wonderful uh, Gino thinking about you being by the fire and Halloween parties ready to go I hope you have a nice a nice apple side hot warm uh, caramely apple cider ready to go little cinnamon stick floating on the top of that that is the best you go into a friend's house they got a nice big pot steaming there on the on the on the stove my my uh, bassist Derek he's having his Halloween party tomorrow night I won't be able to go Anthony's, Anthony's gonna be at a show and I'm gonna be doing the the broadcast here but um, gotta find myself some hot apple cider now the way that Derek makes it one full cup will knock you on your ass and that's all I really care about. That's all I really care. Oh, look, Mike the Mailman must be watching. I just got a text message from my mailman. He says, I love the Halloween intermission. Well, Mike, you got to soak it up. Because we're only using it until Monday, unfortunately. And that's it. I think about, I think about getting to October all throughout the summer. And here it is and it's gone. And it's going to be Thanksgiving next week. And Christmas was yesterday. So, thank you guys for that. Thank you all. Let's see. Moving on to Rumble. We got a Rumble rant over here from Buck Passer. It says, wonder if all the missing people have a common ancestor or if they are a certain bloodline. Has anyone ever investigated the genealogy of the missing people? Um... Opened my eyes, actually responded to Buck Passer and says, David Politis has, and he found that a lot of German people have gone missing above all other, all other genealogies. So, that's, I, I got, I, that's a great question. Maybe we can ask a little bit more on that. Buck Passer again says, great job, Frank and John. Well, it's a pleasure to be hanging out with you all. Sean Joe, thank you. Boys Blanc over here on Foxhole, quite frankly, TV. With extended footage tonight, remember, uh, f Friday night programming, that goes live. It's the weekend roundup. It'll be very Halloween-y. That goes live at 9 o'clock when I get off. But around 11 p.m. Eastern Time, I'm going live on the Twitch via PlayStation with a few of my boys. We're going to be playing Friday the 13th and trying out that Ghostbusters video game. Said, so, no, you know what? Late night, Friday night, let's get everybody together 
and let's uh, let's do some stuff. So that'll be on Twitch. Keep your notifications on, and then we will. Somebody at the network will take the Twitch feed and also simulcast it on QuiteFrankly.tv. So you won't miss anything one way or another. And I see the chat rooms. So there's that. C. Blanche reappeared again. Tangerine twenty six. Thank you. It's great to see C. Blanche again. Paulie says, turn your fear off and on. That's how to control these inorganic beings. Jay Brewski's, cheers, Frank. Cheers to you, Brewski. Vader. Thank you, Vader. And Rain. Snow White and the Seven Fat Slobs. No, well, yeah, that, that's funny. That's funny. Let's get to that real, real quick. Speaking of fat slobs, um... I had a friend of mine that got in touch with me. He said uh, he was at the Bagel Emporium, standing on line with all the uh, the slobs. <laughs> and um, he said he was getting a coffee. Listen to this story. He told me some guy, as we were walking out of the Bagel Emporium, said the prices are outrageous or something to that effect. He said, I don't remember. And I said, yeah, I never thought I'd be paying over $3 for a small coffee. And he said, yeah, I mean, it could be worse. Other countries have it worse. It's not Biden's fault. And my friend said, and then, and then uh, he, he said to me, I, I swear to God, Frank, I don't know why he said that. I'm not kidding about that last part about the Joe Biden thing. He actually said that. And... Um, he said, I actually keep forgetting that he's president, but I, I said, you, you got to be kidding me. But then again, it, I'm not, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised at all. These people, they probably wake up in the morning, go to the bathroom mirror, throw some water on their face, brush their teeth. If they even get that far and stare at themselves in the mirror and recite it every morning. It's not Biden's fault. It's worse other places. It's not Biden's fault. It's not Biden. Imagine. Being in that place where knee-jerk, you have to just throw that in there. My friend did not mention anything other than I never thought I'd be paying more than $3 for a small coffee. And for the, well, it's not Biden's fault. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I guess in a way they're right. Biden is a complete non-entity. He's, the, he's on the other side of fault. You got to look at his ventriloquist to actually start finding the fault. But um, uh, back to our fat Disney titles. Alice in Wonderbreadland, says Maya. Hamby, Fantasia instead of Fantasia. Robin Huge instead of Robin Hood. Oh, this is a good one. Even though I never watched Ice Age, the hermit says Italian Ice Age. <laughs> Earth Common says Mulan. Mary Porkins, Lipo and Stitch, Alice in Plumperland, Feeding Dory. Thank you, Tim. That's that's fantastic. Hamby, Mary Chicken Poppins, or you could say Mary Chicken Poppers. There's the dialysis in Wonderland. Incredible. Um, the Hog Father. That's not that's not Disney. Godfather? Hot Dog Day. Gumbo. 
uh, Aristophats. Instead of Pollyanna, Roly Pollyanna. Roly Poly. Herbie Goes Bananas. Princess and the Hog. No, no, the princess would be the hog. You can't use... It's not... I understand there. You want to... You want to jump on the frog there and change it around, but it's not as simple as that. The princess must be the hog. Or, I mean, you can say the princess and the hog, colon, but I repeat myself. No, you wouldn't use the colon there. Anyway, uh, Aristophats, that came in a couple of times. Sleeping Bovine instead of Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Bovine. Peter Plump. So this is great. I'm loving it. The Curvy Mermaid. That actually sounds good. Uh, the in, uh, the Ingestibles. Frozen Casserole. The Lion King Size. This is great. Good job. Good job, everybody. 20,000 calories under the belly. <laughs> Snow White and the Seven Rolls. I saw Snow White and the Seven Courses. That was another great one. Snow White and the Seven Courses. It's so progressive. Okay. I've got all that out of the way. We have all that done, and we have all of your super chats in. So now let's get to some of your strange stories from the woods. What do you what do you think about that? All right, let's see what we come up with here. This is from Run For My Life. This is all on the Quite Frankly forum on quitefrankly.tv, and it's not connected to Reddit. It's not connected to anything. So get on over there, make a free account, and become part of the fun. Run For My Life says, One night back in college, I was driving home late down the road through the woods that led back to my apartment. It was dark, the road was empty, and I was tired after working late at my job at the college newspaper. From the corner of my eye, I saw something dart from the left side of the road. I slammed on the brakes only to realize that there was nothing there. Wide awake now and heart racing, I began to drive forward again, moving slowly, eyes peeled. I had made it about 30 feet from uh, when from the left side of the road, a deer stepped out of the woods. I was able to slow to a stop and watch her walk across with the light of my headlights into the woods and onto the other side. The experience left me in awe and I thank God for getting my attention so I wouldn't hit her. Well, I guess it wasn't that scary, but at first, perhaps. I mean, I had a raccoon jump out of me the other night while I was in the car. Like, damn it! I don't... I try to just break as slowly as I can, but I'm not going to swerve. If they have to die, they have to die. I'm not going to... I'm not going to cause a, a crash or anything like that. It's just like, I don't want to run you over. This big, gigantic panda bear... Captain Castiron says, I was probably in the 7th or 8th grade and my dad dropped me off camping at Fraternal Order of Police Lodge with 37 acres for three days because he had to work, so I was camping alone. One of those nights, I was uh, it stormed, and when the lightning hit, the whole forest lit up. It was super cool. Also, during that trip, the next night, I could hear a man just laughing. Loud belly laughs. It creeped 14-year-old me out big time. I went and hid in my tent. Imagine just hearing loud belly laughs coming from the darkness of a of the woods. Yeah, that'd get me. 
Smoked says, I went hiking in high school, a.k.a. to burn a joint. Red Gate Woods, Cook County, Illinois. Came upon a marker that denoted a buried nuclear reactor from the nuclear projects surrounding the Manhattan projects. So, yeah, there's a nuke buried 20 miles from my house. Jeez. Strange things in the woods. Gale Force says, so you've almost likely heard of the severe flooding in eastern Kentucky by now. My family is from the area, but most migrated out to find work. We ended up near Chicago, but my father kept acreage in that area that we go back to throughout the year. The land is remote and nestled in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains and 23 miles from its nearest sign of civilization. There are a lot of stories of strange creatures that have been seen or heard for several generations that I know of from uh, from family stories. They used to call it Lopez, which I think it may be short, uh, shortened southern way of saying low pest. Nobody uh, would eat the livestock. See, this is, this is what I'm talking about. There, there is Kentucky again. They call it Lopez, which I think was shortened for low pest. It would eat the livestock, also was blamed for the disappearance of many small children in the area. Nobody hangs out after dark there. Nobody. Of course, my nephew refers to it as Lopez the Beaner in the woods. I've had a few encounters hearing it, but one day just before dark, a neighbor riding home from our place on a bike came up and uh, came up on uh, came upon this creature not far from our house standing on two legs under a tree reaching up into the branches the thing was well over eight feet tall he said it wasn't a bear or a wolf but it seemed to be almost a mix of the two it turned to look at him as he as he came upon it he sped up as fast as he could and flew by the thing then called me hysterical after he got home telling me to get in the house and make sure the kids were in he lived there 60 years and had seen it a few times it's not the first or the last story i'll hear and it's talked about all over that area they used to call the lopez strange creature that's been seen there in eastern kentucky well be on the lookout patriot joker says i grew up in the suburbs of baltimore there was a fairly large patch of woods across the street from my house when i was around 12 years old i was riding my bike through those woods when i rode up on a man wearing nothing but tennis shoes I was so terrified that I just froze for about 30 seconds as he just stood there and stared back at me. When I finally came to my senses, I pedaled out of there as fast as possible. As I got a little older, I found out that there had been several men from around the neighborhood that would just sit in those woods and huff paint. So maybe he was high on paint fumes. That's where I would go. And if I was going to spend the night huffing paint fumes, I would wear nothing but tennis shoes probably get hot flashes 941 guru says this hey Frank I've had many strange occurrences in my life but I'll share the most recent one this happened during October ish of 2021 in Florida it was a freezing 45 to 50 degrees oh shut up A freezing 45 to 50. <laughs> Such a Floridian thing to say. Which is very, uh, which is very cold for a thin-blooded Floridian. There, yes, yes, yes. 
exactly. My two younger brothers and I decided to go uh, to the walk. The new moon. Uh, wait, wait. We, we we decided to go uh, to the walk. Go to the walk. The new moon pitch black night in order to stargaze. Okay, it was new moon, pitch black night. We wanted to go for a walk. We wanted to stargaze. The gulf was angrier than I can recall, and being avid fishermen, I know my tides. Uh, many weird occurrences happen as we walk the, the desolate stretch of powdery quartz sand with the... Uh, let me see here. With the gulf to our right and the thick trees on the left, not a person or a light was around, which was odd. We walked for about a mile, passing houses that seemed vacant, vacation homes, yet the lights would strobe crazily until we got within range of them and then boom, pitch black. So the lights would be flickering in these seemingly empty vacation homes, and then when they got close, they went pitch black. We decided to sit down in a clearing when it happened. The only way to describe it was as if a banshee screeched and flew by our bodies invisible to the eye. The sound carried this way, but we could see nothing. I know all the animals in my area, and this was no bird or other, or other native beast. This story is getting long enough, but to add one final point, on the way home we experienced a bright huge orb that was uh, crazy as it sounds, seeming to be able to respond to our thoughts. I'll never forget it, and I'm glad that I had my two brothers with me to witness the craziness. Strange things happen here on a regular basis. Thanks for reading and keeping, keep killing it with your phenomenal show. One love, Hayes. That is, that's something else. So you have some kind of a surge that's going through these vacation homes that, that seem vacant. But the lights are flickering and when you get close to them, they go pitch black. And then you have something that screeches by you like a banshee in the night. But there is no physical evidence of a body that is anywhere near you. And then the orbs that respond to your thoughts. The orbs that respond to your thoughts, resp uh, uh, that sounds a lot like Rob and Murr's story that they're talking about with the golden orbs over the Long Island Sound. Snark Dragon says, Ghost Indians. Ghost Indians. Ambiguous shadows with no physical genesis and orbs. I got a picture of one and orbs in the other. Ghost Indians. Mmm. Here's one. Here's one. I, uh, I submitted this on behalf of somebody. I got a special wilderness permit to go into an area in the mountains in California where they hadn't allowed foot traffic in in 20 years. There were no trails. It was myself and two other Marines, and we did it in exchange for seeing if there was a rare kind of trout in the streams up there. I guess the Forest Service didn't have anyone else who wanted to do it. I'm not sure I was set up with this by a friend. Anyway, we hiked for two days with no trails, using just map and compass, and on the second day we walked around this huge cliff to find a, uh, a full-on cabin with a lawn and solar power, a washer-dryer, the whole nine yards, all built into rock face of the cliff. You couldn't see it from above. So it had gone unnoticed for years. We talked to the guy that lived there, and he said that we were the first people he had seen hike, hike inside in 14 years. Whoa. He 
He was a retired helicopter pilot, and he had flown all the equipment in by helicopter. He was squatting on federal land and knew it, but didn't seem worried. He said we. Uh, he said he hikes out every two weeks for supplies by a different route. Every two weeks he takes a different route. Then we came in, and he showed it to us. We used that route to get back as he had a trail uh, beaten down so the walking was easier. All in all, it was pretty cool. The trout the Forest Service was looking for were in the creeks, so it is still closed to foot travel. And we never uh, told the the Forest Service about the old helicopter pilot, so I would bet he is still out there. Imagine that. Imagine the time it took to actually build that little hideaway. And you only make your way out every two weeks to the public for more supplies. Imagine the peace and quiet. Imagine the peace and quiet. That's another thing I, I've heard about when people say, whether, whether it's missing 411, things like uh, the next, the next, I just saw the next post. <laughs> I'm sorry in advance for the next post. I'm going to read it. Um, when people talk about the Yeti slash Bigfoot component of this. Where can they be? Where well, where could they possibly be hiding? There's a lot of places in California that human feet have never reached the density of some of those woods. Some of it are, are protected heavily by the feds, but others is just things that have not been trod upon since the natives. We're talking hundreds of years. That's how thick and that's how big some of these areas are. Everybody talks about overpopulation. There is no such thing. At least not now. Here's our latest. Here's another submission about strange things you, you saw in the woods. Frank, I saw a dude taking a shit in the woods. The interesting part was the, was the length of the turd. It ran from his ass. It ran from his ass to the ground in one long shit rope. <laughs> That's the interesting thing. Like he actually, he can't, you, you, you stumble upon somebody taking a shit in the woods and you have to, st- you, you just stop, you go, wow, look at that shit rope. It's just one long connection from his ass to the ground. It's not even breaking. <laughs> oh, boy. That's I, I love I love little things like that. All right, what do we have? Eight fifty nine. How many more do we have? Well, okay. Well, you know what? I'll remember the shit rope one. I'll remember the shit rope, and that'll be my that'll be my 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 bookend. Because at eight fifty nine, and there's more here. You can go read it. It's pinned to the top of the forum. In quite fr- on quitefrankly.tv. You can go and add to it still, read more. I'm going to try to find a way to get some of these in. Perhaps I will mix these into the creepy stories. On Monday night, we'll get both of these threads completed in one way, shape, or form. And since we only have a very short call to take on Monday night, an astro reading with uh, Robert Phoenix, most of the show is going to be reading your stories, taking your calls, reading your stories, taking your calls, and that'll be our Halloween. And I'll have a, a, a good... And of course, you know, something's big is happening around the world. We'll talk about that as well. But... But yes, tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, remember, 10 p.m., we will be live here from the studio, me, 
my father, I don't know who else. My cousin Sherry might stop by, but it's going to be mainly my father and I sitting down playing the movie Spookies, and we're going to be getting behind the scenes, production stories, and then just ripping it apart and, and having fun at it, it, its expense. Everybody else on the, uh, the, uh, on the internet is. Every year I see a new um, movie podcast that sits down, watches Spookies, and picks apart all the weird thing, nonsensical things that took what would be a classic, really well-done horror film and turned it into the most odd, incomprehensible, incoherent thing you'd ever think, which has actually made it classic now all these years later, how incoherent the storyline is. And you'll know why after tomorrow. So that's what we're going to be doing for the Saturday night. I hope that we have most of you here. Um, And then we'll play that movie in full, uninterrupted, along with other picks of mine on Sunday night, the 30th. So you guys and gals have been great. Let me just make sure I didn't miss anybody in the Super Chats. Tangerine, thank you. Uh, Vader and Rain. Oh, that's all done. So there you go. I'm releasing the scratching over there on Foxhole. Remember, at some point tonight, you will see me interrupt the Foxhole programming from my Twitch perch. As we're going to play some spooky Halloween-related video games late at night. Just me and the guys, and I think you'll like it. And one last go-around with, quite frankly, superchat.com. Dooku Dan. Davy Crockpot. The Love Chug. Make Mine Supersized. Song of the Mouth. Instead of Song of the South. Carlos, a.k.a. the Latin... King of Hollywood says, hey, Frank, it's Carlos Carreras. This is a guy I, I've, I've gotten emails from for years now. Uh, I'm surprised he's never called in before. It's Carlos Carreras. Finally able to interact live. I'm fighting through being canceled in Hollywood. Announcement soon. I had a thought. Is there connection between Germans being the most missing and Nazi alien in Antarctica? Ah, DNA links to some of the old... Scientists? I don't know. This phenomenon goes way back beyond uh, before World War II. But uh, we'd love to hear about Carlos' story one day. Albert Frederick says, Make it a great day because the world don't give a shit either way. Man, what an exciting time we're living in. I would not want it any other way. I mean, what else do I have to do anyway? All the cool kids still hang out on Twitch just saying, well, uh, you you Twitch people, I'll be there with you soon. Well, I got to go home. I got to make myself this T-bone that I defrosted and uh, some tomato salad. And when I'm done with that, then we'll get launched. That's probably around 11 o'clock. But my window is about to close in 54 minutes, so I got to get out of here. I really do. Thank you guys one and all. Guys and gals, you have been wonderful to me again for an entire week. Thank you, John D'Souza, and all my other fantastic guests. I'll see you soon. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite a 
quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with Dooku Dan, Carlos from Hollywood, Albert Frederick Stostube, Fat Boy Vince, Shaken Bake, Jenna from South Carolina, Mike and Robin, Gino, Crestmont Bear. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Take care. <laughs>